Advances in technology in the last five years alone have allowed information sharing between individuals and organizations in ways that have altered how business and individuals interact around the world. Data is a new currency. It drives decision making. It anticipates consumer behavior. It forecasts world events. And it provides consumers and organizations that can take hold of its power with advantages, many of whom are in this room. And it's why the Empire Club of Canada has already jumped into this topic this year, having presented Kyle Dubas and Bobby Webster, GM of the Leafs and Raptors, around how big data is changing professional sports. And it was a fantastic event. Everybody recognizes the opportunity and potential of using data for purposes that we have not yet even dreamed of. And the capability of social media to break down barriers to create more human interaction. But there are two sides of this coin. When data is not used properly, there are negative consequences, including privacy breaches. Advances in social media have also brought on the golden age for groups spreading hate or misinformation, who were once relegated to handing out pamphlets on a street corner. Young and Dundas. And concern all around have brought new scrutiny by governments and consumers. One of the largest outpouring of concern came from an incident where Facebook alleged that a third party had misused Facebook data, where 50 million users' data was extracted and shared further to assist a U.S. presidential campaign. And in 2018, the U.S. Senate even called a hearing about this with CEO Mark Zuckerberg of Facebook. And the, the hearing focused on the practice of third-party data use and distribution, the role of social media platforms in detecting threats of foreign intelligence such as misinformation campaigns by foreign governments, and many other items that the Senate looked at. Meanwhile, the government of Canada has been dealing with a Canadian version of similar threats, challenges, opportunities here at home. What is exciting for all of us today is Minister Baines is here to launch the Canadian government's digital charter and to explain how he has looked at the balance between citizen protection and the recognition that data is an important factor driving today's economy. Huge opportunities for all of you, huge opportunity for Canada. Minister Baines, the Empire Club of Canada is honoured to have you here at this momentous occasion. I know you've been busy in your portfolio. Since 2015, your government has created almost a million jobs in part due to the many policies you have launched and developed. The Innovation and Skills Plan, the first industrial policy plan in Canada in a generation, creating superclusters, venture capital investments, and foreign direct investment. So let's get started. Today's guest is the Member of Parliament for Mississauga and a member of the Privy Council. Since he was first elected in 2004, he has served in various roles, including Parliamentary Secretary to Prime Minister Paul Martin and critic for public worse works and government services, and many other portfolios. Minister Baines is a former adjunct lecturer at the University of Waterloo. He is also a former visiting professor at Ryerson University's Ted Rogers School of Management. His private sector experience includes several years at the Ford Motor Company of Canada. Minister Baines has a Bachelor of Administrative Studies from York University and a Master of Business Administration from the University of Windsor. He holds a CMA designation he is a long-time resident of Mississauga, where he lives with his wife and two children. Ladies and gentlemen, for his second appearance at the Empire Club of Canada, please welcome the Minister of Innovation, Science, and Economic Development, 
the Honorable Navdeep Baines. Technology has transformed our lives, from how we access information to the ways we work, shop, and connect with each other. However, it also presents new challenges, specifically when it comes to protecting one of the most sensitive aspects of who we are in the modern world, and that is our personal information online. And we must find a way to protect that data while still being open to the economic opportunities of a data-driven world. Our competitiveness depends on it. From expanding shopping online, to research and healthcare breakthroughs, to finally tackling gridlock, Canadians understand the potential of data. They also told us that we must find ways to use data responsibly. The good news is, under Canada's new digital and data principles, these are complementary, not competing priorities. Canada's digital and data principles lay down the foundation that will allow us to build an innovative, people-centered, and inclusive digital and data economy built on trust. It's that simple. So that's my presentation, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very much for coming out. No, bonjour tout le monde. C'est un honneur et un privilège pour moi d'être ici aujourd'hui. Uh, je voudrais remercier uh, Kent Emerson and Empire Club uh, pour, votre, uh, pour votre invitation. Et, um, and today I'm really delighted to be here with so many familiar faces and so many new faces to talk about something very exciting um, in terms of our economy going forward. So by now, ladies and gentlemen, a number of you will have heard that, uh, have heard of this statistic before, and it's a very important statistic. 90% of all the data in the world has been generated over the last two years. And if you've heard of this before, it's because it was true as a data set and as a, as a stat in 2016. So why am I saying it today? Well, that same stat has been true ever since 2016. So imagine that curve of how much data that we're generating. Almost everything we do nowadays leaves a data track behind, whether it's monitoring our heart rate on a treadmill or buying a new pair of shoes. And it's not surprising, it's absolutely not surprising that the top five companies in the world are, that are publicly listed deal with data. And it's no understatement that in today's world, data drives business. The advantages are very clear. We've talked about these advantages very consistently for our society and for our economy. Just ask a cancer patient who got an early diagnosis just ask the farmer who's cut her pesticide use in half. The opportunities are everywhere around us. But alongside these great opportunities are also challenges as well. And we cannot ignore some of these new complex challenges that have emerged. At the heart of these challenges is the question, the fundamental question of trust. How can Canadians believe in the good of this online world when they're confronted with a video, with a video of 51 innocent people gunned down during prayer in Christchurch. And that video goes viral. How can they trust their data will be used to improve their lives when it's used to bombard them with disinformation? 
Here's the thing. Innovation cannot happen at the expense of privacy and data and personal security. In fact, the opposite is true. As it pertains to the digital world, only by building a strong foundation of trust will we be able to reach our full innovative potential. And business models that rely on leveraging data for innovation and growth must put an even bigger premium on trust. According to our numbers, 90% of Canadians would turn off the tap to a business that misuses their data. Think about that, nine out of 10 Canadians. We need to get serious about rebuilding trust because people are currently losing it. In the 21st century, either we build that trust and compete in the data-driven digital economy, or we don't compete at all. So that is why I'm happy today to present Canada's new digital charter. This charter is made up of 10 principles based on Canadian values against which all future government policies, programs, and legislation will be tested. And through this charter, we will build a foundation of trust for our digital and data-driven economy and society as a whole. It is a result of extensive consultations with Canadians, business leaders, academics, and my fellow parliamentarians as well. And many people in this room participated in this process, and I want to thank you personally for your leadership in stepping up for Canada. So our first principle, is universal access. Our commitment since coming to office has been clear. Canadians will have equal opportunity to participate in the digital world and the necessary tools to do so. So this is really about access, connectivity, literacy, and skills. This is what the first principle is about. The second principle focuses on safety and security. Canadians will be able to rely on the integrity authenticity and security of the services that they use, and they should feel safe online. The third principle is about control and consent. And by that, I mean Canadians will have control over the data that they're sharing, who's using their personal data, and for what purposes, and they will be able to know that their privacy is protected. Our fourth principle will ensure transparency, portability, and interoperability. Canadians will have clear, manageable access to their personal data and should be free to share it or transfer it without any undue burden. The fifth is about delivering open and modern go digital government for Canadians. Canadians will be able to access modern digital services from the government of Canada, which, which are secure and simple to use. And my good friend and colleague, the former president of the Treasury Board, Scott Risen, would say, we cannot be a blockbuster government serving a Netflix society. Our sixth principle commits to ensuring a level playing field. The government will ensure fair competition is happening in the online marketplace. We want to facilitate the growth of Canada's businesses and affirm Canada's leadership on digital and data innovation while protecting Canadian consumers from market abuses. The seventh principle commits to using data and digital for good. Specifically, we will ensure the ethical use of data to create value, promote openness, and improve the lives of people at home and around the world. Our eighth principle reassures Canadians that they can depend on our strong democracy. We will ensure the transparency of political discourse 
defend freedom of speech, and protect against online threats and disinformation designed to undermine social cohesion of the integrity of elections and democratic institutions. And building on Canada's commitment to the Christ Church call to action, our ninth principle is, commit, is a commitment that Canadians will be free from hate and violent extremism. Simply put, Canadians can expect that digital platforms will not foster or disseminate hate, violent extremism, or illegal content. And finally, ladies and gentlemen, the last principle is a commitment to strong enforcement and real accountability. That is to say that there will be clear, meaningful penalties for violations of the laws and regulations that support these principles. So today, I'll share with you the first actions that I will be taking as the minister responsible for innovation, science, and economic development to turn these principles, to turn these very important principles that I've outlined into action. First, I'm happy to share with you a set of policy proposals on reforming Canada's private sector laws. And yes, many of you are familiar with this acronym, PIPIDA, uh, because privacy can no longer be an afterthought for companies. Whether it's privacy by design or another system, privacy has to be built in at the very front of the business model. I've also written a letter to the head of the Competition Bureau to ensure he has the tools necessary to promote competition and create a healthy environment, especially for our small and medium-sized businesses so that they can continue to thrive and innovate going forward. And with the advice of the new Canadian Statistics Advisory Council, we will review the Statistics Act to ensure Canadians can trust the way their data is handled by the world-class National Statistical Agency. And finally, the Standards Council of Canada will launch the new Data Governance Standardization Collaborative to better coordinate the development and compatibility of data governance standards in Canada, contributing to the creation of a level playing field in the digital economy. And in the coming weeks, my colleagues will have more to say about the steps we will take to preserve the integrity of our democratic institutions and keep Canadians safe from hate, anonymous threats, and cyberbullying. And across government, we will update the Privacy Act and examine frameworks for open banking. All of this is consistent with the principles that have been highlighted in the Charter. Together, we will lay out the steps necessary to enforce these principles and make sure all Canadians benefit from the enormous opportunities created by the digital and data-driven economy. Ladies and gentlemen, these innovations have already reshaped our lives. As the Prime Minister said last week, the pace of change has never been this fast in history, yet it will also never be this slow again. Like all of you, our government is bullish on the great potential of our country and for this new digital age. With our innovation and skills plan, we've hedged our bets on Canada's innovators. We recognize how critical it is to support them because they're the job creators and they are representative of a workforce that is the envy of the world. And with the Digital Charter, we now have the principles that will guide us. But governments, can't do this alone. We need businesses. We must work together. We need to develop that partnership, that collaboration. That's the only way we'll succeed. That's the only way we'll build trust in our digital institutions you rely on to innovate, grow our economy, and create good quality middle-class jobs. 
So I look forward to making this happen with you, and we're very excited about the next chapter in implementing these principles going forward. Thank you very much. Merci beaucoup. Thanks, Minister. Now it's time to bring the panel to the stage. Our first panelist is the founding CEO of Horizons Exchange Traded Funds. He has worked at J.P. Morgan's derivative group in New York and started his career in investment banking with CIBC. He sits on several leading fintech boards, including Wellsimple, Coho Financial, Warwell, and Clark. Please welcome the CEO of Portage Ventures, Adam Feleski. Thank you, Adam. Uh, just, yeah. Our next panelist is the founder and CEO of Scourgewrap, a Silicon, Va Silicon Valley VC fund AI startup that swaps complex jargon into plain, easy to understand language, almost like a mortgage with a grade six reading level. She currently sits on the boards for both the Center for Plain Language and other boards. Ladies and gentlemen, please put your hands together for Melissa Kirjanakis. Our final panelist has the experience and responsibility for all Google's operation in Canada as the VP and Managing Director of Google Canada, where he was posted from 2013 to 2017. He joined Google in 2006 in Chicago and held a variety of executive level roles in the US before moving to Canada five years ago. He is a member of the Business Council of Canada and a director on several boards. His current role is at Palmarex. It's one of the largest weather, data, and multi-platform media companies around the world, operating Canada's national emergency alerting system, Alert Ready. Please welcome the President and CEO of Palmerex, Sam Sebastian. Today's moderator is passionate about leveraging the talents of entrepreneurs and innovation. Named Canada's Women Entrepreneur of the Year by Startup Canada in 2017, she has had a knack for finding industry gaps and building innovative platforms and technology to fill them. Speaking to the importance of entrepreneurial and disruptive thinking, diversity in leadership, technology, and innovation. She empowers audiences to turn their ideas into success. In 2012, she founded and launched OMX, the only online platform of its kind that manages complex supply chains in the mining, energy, and infrastructure and aerospace sectors around the world. She also appears to be on one million boards in chambers and councils that I will not read to you all the list of. A frequent commentator in the media, she is technology columnist for Vanguard magazine and often appears on CBC, BNN, and News Talk 1010. She was previously a dragon on CBC's Next Gen Generation Den, which focused on early stage production. Please welcome commentator, dragon, <laughs> tech entrepreneur and founder of OMX, Nicole Verkent. Thank you. Thank you. Good luck. Okay. Well, it's great to be here. Thank you very much, Minister, for those comments. That was, uh, I think, really helpful for everybody to understand this digital charter and understand just how wide-reaching and ambitious it is. Um, and I know for me, over the weekend, I heard a little bit about it, but I didn't really have a full appreciation for how much there is there and the connection between the business community and how, how those two things are so closely connected. So if we've all agreed that the world is going to be changing quite rapidly, especially over the next 10, 15 years, what's the one thing that you'd like people, people to remember, say in 15 years about this charter and, and how it's helped Canada in the tech community and the business community? 
So you're absolutely right. This is a very ambitious charter. Uh, it's very comprehensive and extremely broad. It really speaks to whole of government approach and so many different aspects to it that touch so many different ministers and portfolios and so many different aspects of our lives. I would say if we were to look 10, 15 years from now and look back at today and see what happened, it's really about laying that foundation for trust. Mm -hmm. uh, because if businesses are to succeed online, they need to have trust of their consumers. They need to have trust that people are comfortable going online and recognizing that their privacy, that their data is protected. Uh, and so this charter really says privacy is absolutely essential. Uh, people's uh, ability to control their data, who has access to their data, understanding issues around consent, for example, uh, or even talking about enforcement to make sure it's meaningful that people actually respect our privacy laws. And so I would say the legacy is to make sure that Canadian businesses, uh, this was a turning point where we are the go-to jurisdiction when it comes to trust, where businesses in Canada can continue to grow and thrive, and where other businesses want to come to Canada because of the laws that we have in place, because of this digital charter, there's now a framework and a set of policies and programs that provides predictability for businesses to continue to succeed. Predictability is a word I think a lot of businesses really like. So for me, I know that's really helpful, is understanding how can this digital charter be a competitive advantage for the tech community? I'll start here um, with you, Melissa, to explain how you, how you see that connection. It's not just a regulatory framework. How, how do we see this as our competitive advantage? Absolutely. Um, when we look at the opportunity that we're faced with right, right now in Canada, um, using the digital charter as a competitive advantage enables us to build responsible companies that can still grow and still be very valuable. For example, in our company, we use data that doesn't have personal information attached, and we allow our users to strip away and, and decide what is not saved in our databases. And we make that very clear and very upfront at the point of use. It's part of your marketing almost. Compared to the labyrinth of other settings, when you talk about consent and control, uh, all of the other large tech companies that are not Canadian have these labyrinths of settings you have to mine through to try and find where you can actually have control over your data. And then when you make those changes, unfortunately what we find out is actually it didn't make the change. And it, well, you have to go somewhere else and change another setting altogether. So it provides us an opportunity to still collect the data we need to make valuable companies and to put users in the front seat of that and making it just so clear and easy to understand. Yeah, absolutely. And, and just before we got up here, I heard an example that I think you provided about how this can be, how the data can be spun as something really positive for users. They have control. If they're able to download data, for instance, they can use that. If you could just yeah, elaborate on that. A great example would be wearables. Right. Imagine a world where we could download our wearable data, give it to a broker or a third party who could auction our life insurance and offer better premiums for those. They show how often you really run or not. <laughs> yeah. Might or, be bad for some of us. Or another example would be, you know, cars are, are now tra are, are telematic machines. And if we were able to download our data from our driving, we could have a third party auction our auto insurance because we're better drivers. Uh, so I think distribution curves of risk are going to be more segmented and personalized by accessing your own data for good. And yeah, I think it's just, I think it's a roadmap for good business, frankly. I think it's a, it strikes a good balance between innovation and the need to continue to build out um, uh, functionality and new product development that leverages data, but at the same time 
uh, you know, balances safety and trust and, and openness and, and accountability with users. And um, if anything, we operate a global business. We're the third largest weather player in the world. And when I'm over outside of Canada, it's an asset that we're a Canadian firm because folks uh, across the world trust Canada as, a, as a, a trusted country. We've got, that's a competitive differentiation we have right now. This charter allows us to continue that competitive uh, advantage because uh, we'll be out in front of kind of the next uh, evolution of change, which is digital and data. Maybe I could just add, I think, you know, what's great about this charter as well is, you know, one of the challenges we do have is our regulatory framework in Canada. We've mm -hmm. got provincial versus federal. We've got multi, uh, jurisdictional bodies from OSFI to, yep. to others, Competition Bureau. And I think laying a charter provides a framework for everyone as they think about their own roadmap, if you're a regulator, a policymaker, a corporate or an innovator, to think about where we're going and we can start planning today. And, and versus hopefully it waiting. simplifies it as opposed to adding to it. Exactly. Um, so that's a great point. So maybe, Minister, if you could address that. How does this charter does this give Canadian innovators and Canadian SMEs an advantage, or will we be disadvantaged in, in working with against sort of the large companies globally? I know Melissa alluded to that. No, it clearly provides uh, benefits to smaller and medium-sized businesses in Canada because of that predictability. I think that's very important. One of the aspects that I mentioned was obviously changes to our privacy legislation, and I talked about significant enforcement mechanisms around serious and meaningful fines, talked about consent and having plain language and not those long, complicated user agreements, or talked about data control in terms of mobility and portability. But the other area that I, um, we also put forward in our plan is sending a letter to the Competition Bureau to say there's data monopolies that are being generated. Are, are there barriers to entries for smaller and medium-sized businesses? And to rethink our competition law in that context as well. So the objective is to make sure how can we have a level playing field for Canadian businesses to succeed and grow and look at the laws to make sure that they reflect the changes in the, you know, this new digital world that we live in. And all of this fundamentally is about trust. We want individuals to feel empowered and that they have trust and confidence online, but we also want businesses to have that predictability uh, and then Canada to be that go-to place. This is the place where if you want a seal of approval when it comes to trust and and, and in terms of your, your ability to succeed, you want uh, Canada to be that jurisdiction. So I think this, this framework as articulated by some of the other panel members, the, the principles really provide that guidance uh, mm -hmm. to individuals and so they understand their rights and responsibilities and to businesses as well. But guidance for all foreign corporations operating in Canada. Absolutely, yeah, so this applies. And, and the idea is if you do not follow Canadian privacy law, mm -hmm. there's gonna be significant fines. Right, that's like, the key part. Right? That's yeah, right, so you've got to follow the laws of this country. You have to make sure that you adhere to the privacy uh, principles and the, and the legislation that we have, PIPRA, as I alluded to in my remarks, and the changes that we're proposing. And if you don't, there's, and when I say significant fines, I'm talking about a percentage of revenue. I'm talking about really uh, limiting your ability to collect data or collect revenue through ads, like serious, significant, meaningful fines uh, as a consequence for not really protecting privacy, because if you don't uh, follow privacy and the laws that we have in place, that it undermines the trust issue that we're trying to rebuild. Mm -hmm. And it's just so difficult, I imagine, to be able to, uh, to figure that out, because it feels like all these tech companies are operating in this whirly, I know you've got to comment too, this universe where it's, uh, it's just hard to track. 
Well, and they're incented by the data. That's what their business right. models are made on. So I think there's two really unique opportunities here. And that's why I love the strong enforcement and real accountability components of this charter. And I'm so glad that you spoke to them mm -hmm. uh, more uh, recently. But the, the piece really is that um, with the actual accountability, we have an opportunity to change things. So just like how GDPR created in Europe created a ripple effect that we saw in everyone's inboxes were flooded <laughs> about a year yeah. ago, but that was for all organizations and they applied it across all of the documents. But what happened was uh, it still takes, I believe, 72 days to read Instagram's terms of service and mm. privacy policy. Still, I even guess with no GDPR. one hears about it. <laughs> so I'm excited about the opportunity to cause this ripple effect and to change business models and no longer make the user be what you're selling and no longer make our personal data be the monetization strategy of these organizations. There are other ways that we can monetize and build big businesses with different mon uh, business models that I think that this charter will catalyze. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I used to always say data is, is like bacon. It's the next thing. And investing in tech companies, you want to understand their data strategy. So I don't even like bacon, so I don't know why I said that. But um, <laughs> It's relatable. Yeah. I'm vegetarian, so I can relate. <laughs> so am I. Uh, but if the, the future economy is so data-driven, this could be a big advantage for Canadian industry. So any final comments then before I know that Minister's on a very tight schedule? I mean, I would just add that, you know, in the globalization of our economies, that large incumbents increasingly have to focus on high-value customers, mm -hmm. and it's creating an underbanked in the banking world, the underserved in the small business world. And through data and the power of technology, we can in increasingly give access to those that are underserved today, and I think it's a huge opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the last thing I'll add uh, is trust with the user and the consumer was critical for business even before we have digital. Right. So it's still just it's just core infrastructure. It's a value. It's a, a basic of building a good business. Um, and I think businesses continue to maintain that as uh, a critical success factor uh, as everything moves over to digital and data becomes that much more important. You just have to apply that to the digital world as well. Um, the charter helps do this, uh, and I think if you're a good business player and you're a good actor, uh, and you keep the user first in mind, uh, I think it will uh, it will help support that, uh, especially here in this country where I think we can continue to innovate and differentiate. Absolutely. And just very quickly on that point, it really is a principles-based approach. Mm -hmm. So we're not trying to be too prescriptive here to cause any unintended consequences right. because we want to protect privacy. We want to protect individuals. We want to make sure people have confidence when they're navigating this digital world. There's nothing new. Previous business models, I use the banks as examples. They're built on trust that you can deposit your money, withdraw your money, et cetera, and that they'll be around. Uh, but it's, it's, it's designed to make sure that we also foster an environment for businesses to grow because the opportunities are enormous. We've generated, as I said in my remarks, 90% of the total data that we've seen in the last two years. We're only using a fraction of that, oh. half a percent of that. And we're only going to see that increase so much that's with right. the Internet of Things and all this other data. That's right. Well, there's going to be 10 connected devices per person in the next four years. So you can imagine all the data that's going to generate. And we want to make sure it's in a usable format. That's why Canada's going to also play a leadership role when it comes to developing standards to the Standards Council and this collaborative that we're putting forward to enable uh, businesses to be able to understand how the data can be used and collected as well. So it's really exciting the opportunities to protect individual privacy, but also to see Canadian businesses now play a leadership role in developing standards and innovating and growing. 
Yeah, and I think it says so much that you've invited the business community up here to discuss it. So thank you so much you. Uh, for your message today, and thank you to everyone for joining us here on the panel. I think Kent is going to wrap it up. Did we get off? Or? I think so, yeah. Thanks, everyone. Uh, I'm pleased to welcome, and I, I know, Minister, you have to sneak out. And if you are sneaking out, I think no one will even notice. So I know you have a busy schedule today. I'm pleased to welcome Pat Delzell from Bruce Power to the podium to thank the speaker today. Thank you. Thanks, Kent. I'll, uh, I'll keep this brief. Uh, Minister, thank you very much for joining us today. I'd also obviously like to thank the panel. Uh, such an interesting conversation. Obviously, these principles are really going to set, uh, set the baseline for Canada to grow and uh, develop our economy through innovation. Um, so I'm with Bruce Power. Uh, we're very happy to sponsor these kinds of, uh, of uh, conversations and, uh, and events. Uh, Bruce Power, just as a bit of background, the largest nuclear uh, operating facility in the world, located on the shores of Lake Huron. And we produce about a third of Ontario's electricity, about 30% below the average cost to produce residential power. That's a mouthful. Um, and uh, the reason we like to be part of these conversations is that we really truly believe that innovation is what drives our economy. Um, and these conversations and setting up these principles, these guiding principles, are what really allow us uh, and the, the rest of the business community to innovate and grow the economy. Um, it's allowed us to phase off of coal in Ontario. It's allowed us to innovate, find new efficiencies in our reactors so that we can extend the life of our facility out to 2064, producing emissions-free power for the next five decades. It's also, our next big step is producing medical isotopes, uh, something that's never been done in a power reactor before, but will soon be done right here in Ontario. So uh, really, just like to, to thank the Empire Club, thank the sponsors, thank the minister, and thank the rest of the panel today for coming out and continuing this conversation. It's very important to all of us. And uh, I'd just like to offer one more round of applause to the uh, panel. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for coming today. Uh, today, we also have launched our 37th event. The rise of white nationalism in Canada, which obviously has a social media component, and I would like, uh, it's a difficult event to do. Some people said that's, that's a hard one, but I want to challenge everyone to support that event, to come out, to sponsor that event. It's a very difficult event, uh, and we're going to do it, and it's on June 13th, and uh, we'll be announcing the location soon, but it's on our website. We also have launched a Women Who Build featuring the Honorable Mary, Mary Ng, Minister Mary Ng. It's an evening event on June 13th. And we also launched, just on Friday, the CBC's Power and Politics will be doing a live uh, show right on the Empire Club stage with Vasi Capellos and a number of other events. So thank you very much for supporting this one. Ladies and gentlemen, meeting adjourned. Thank you.